Well, folks, if you've been here for the last two Sundays, you will know that the Bible readings from the previous chapter in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 10, those readings have been intense, intense. In those passages, we read Jesus was preparing his disciples to be sent out on mission. And he told them that as they lived out the kingdom reign of Jesus Messiah, they were going to be met not just with welcome, but frequently with hardship and even with persecution. He told them that he himself was a divisive figure, indeed the person who divides all of humanity into those who reject him and those who embrace and receive him. He said that this division would even reach into the most significant relationships of our lives, even down into our families. He told them that, his, that if his disciples would be loyal to him, even unto death, they would gain their lives. So like I said, the, the past two weeks, the words of Jesus have been intense. And then we come to this passage we read this morning, and I would call it an oasis of refreshment. All right, we heard the hard stuff. Is there any good stuff? Well, even the hard stuff was good stuff. But this is a place of refreshment. It's like, uh, oh, okay, here's my Appalachian Trail uh, uh, analogy of the week. There's uh, all down the trail, you know, you're, some seasons you have a lot of rain, some seasons you don't have much rain. I just remember uh, there was one place, I think it was here in the northern end of the park on the Appalachian Trail, and uh, there was, a, you had like every, every shelter you go to just about, you have to go down a blue blaze to get to the shelter. But then there was this little oasis. I mean, it was just absolutely, I took a picture. I've got, I wish we had a video I could show you of this place where the stream was just coming. It's a little creek. It was just coming over a mossy bank and there was a tree root. It looked like something out of the Shire. Okay, I got my Tolkien analogy in there too. So we got, uh, everything's covered. And, and it was just this beautiful pool and we took our shoes off. We cooled our feet in that beautiful spring. It was lovely. It was a, a place of refreshment on a, on a pretty tough slog. And, and that's kind of what this passage is like right here in, in Matthew chapter 11. It's a place of refreshment, a place to refresh our souls. And we hear these words and beginning in 1128. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." For my yoke is easy. And actually, maybe a better word there, translation-wise, would be, my yoke is kind. For my yoke is kind, and my burden is light. You know, we call that passage the great invitation. And this is so important, because the Christian faith is inherently an invitational faith. It's not a coercive faith. Jesus invited his first disciples, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus invited, remember the rich young ruler, to come and follow him. Go sell all you have and give to the poor, then come and follow me. And when that rich young ruler refused, he went away sad and Jesus body slammed him and drug him back. No, no he didn't. The scripture says that Jesus looked at him and loved him, but he let him walk away. Jesus is an invitational figure. And just to be invited, just to be invited instead of pressured or bullied or manipulated is refreshing. 
But then the content of this invitation is even more desirable and refreshing than just the invitation itself. So let's listen to part of that invitation again, beginning again at verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So who is the, who's the subject of the invitation? Who's the invitation for? All. All who are weary. All who are laboring and are heavy laden. All those who labor. In some translations, it says all who are weary. All who are weary. The sense here is of the kind of exhaustion that comes from a long journey or never-ending toil. Those who are basically worn out, worn out by life. In the context of this passage specifically, Jesus is addressing those who are weary and worn out by, by religion. <clears throat> that's, that's the idea of being heavy laden or burdened here. Normal people, in fact, the ones that Jesus says, you know, in that prayer, he says, Father, I thank you that you've revealed these things to little children. To little children. So he calls, he, he's, he's addressing those normal people, those little children, who could not bear the weight of carrying the law of Moses as it was being applied by, listen, here's the other phrase Jesus used, the wise and understanding. So I thank you that you've revealed this to these little children. You've, you've not revealed yourself to the wise and understanding. It's, it's, it's as if the, the scribes and the teachers of the law and the Pharisees had put burdens on those people that were too heavy to bear. And as a matter of fact, that's exactly what Jesus refers to in Matthew chapter 23. If we were to read on in Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 4, listen to what Jesus says. This is the character of, of the religious burden that people were bearing. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. And listen to this. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. There's that burden of legalism, of extraneous rules and regulations, so that normal people felt like they, they were just despairing. They could just never live up, never live up to the kind of religious interpretation the scribes and the Pharisees were offering. And some of us still feel that burden. But I think that there are other, listen, I think there are other burdens that are dominating our lives right now more than the burden of legalism. You know, we could point to current events. We feel burdened by current events. We've just come through a pandemic. And, and even right now, you know, as I, I was walking around yesterday and just looking out over the mountains, that pall of smoke is still here. It's like a burden just lingering over the valley from fires a thousand miles away. But there are things much closer to home in our families and in our relationships, in our health, in our finances that create this mire of weariness. There are other yokes that we are carrying that keep us from knowing rest. So how can we find this rest, this peace, this freedom that Jesus promises? Well, this is verse 29. Listen. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So the first thing, if, you, if we want to find this rest, the first thing that we have to do is to take Jesus' yoke. When I was a little boy, we had horses, and in the back of the tack room at the stables, there was this big wooden ox yoke hanging on the back wall. And you've probably seen one of these things before. I don't know how old that yoke was. It was old, though. And you know that the purpose of a yoke is to put two animals in harness together so that they could walk side by side and pull the load, right? Here's what you need to know about a yoke. You can't take Jesus' yoke if you already are wearing another one. Listen, you can't take the easy yoke of Jesus, the kind yoke of Jesus, if you are already wearing another one. You can't wear his yoke until you take your yoke off. The yoke's on you. You know what's worse than dad jokes? Granddad jokes. That's right. So, so we need to ask ourselves, what is the yoke that I am bearing right now? I actually, I've been asking myself that same thing. Is it the yoke of anger? There's a, we live in an angry era, don't we? Is it the yoke of resentment and grievous, grievance and bitterness? How about this? I, I, didn't, I didn't write this down, but I was thinking about it yesterday as I was praying. And is it the yoke of trying to concoct and curate your own personal identity? You feel yoked, burdened by constructing your own personal identity. People bear that kind of yoke. Is it the yoke of self-accusation and self-hatred? Is it the yoke of feeling responsible for other people's decisions and actions? Are you bearing the yoke of feeling responsible for other people's actions and decisions? How about this? Is it a, do you bear a yoke of guilt? You just carry it around almost could feel it tangibly around your neck. There's the bitter yoke of addiction, and it comes in many forms. Is it the yoke of a life-defining disability? You know, only you know the yoke that you are wearing. Do you know what happens, though, if you wear a yoke long enough? Do you know what happens to you? You become the thing that you are yoked to you will eventually become that to which you are yoked. You become that thing. You become resentment. You become self-hatred. You become the toxic waste dump for other people's bad decisions and destructive actions. You become your addiction. You actually lose your identity to an addiction. And you don't just have a disability, and many of us do have. But you actually become your disability. See, brothers and sisters, you and I were made to be the image of God, and now when we bear a yoke long enough, we have become the image of something false and dehumanizing. So what is, what is the yoke you're carrying? Because eventually we take on the identity of what we are yoked with. By the grace of God, what we need to do, by the power of the Holy Spirit... And in fact, we prayed that in the collect this morning. Apart from you, we can do no good thing. We can't repent. We can't have faith. We can't do that which is good and right. We can't even think that which is good and right. 
apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. So in the power of the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, we need to repent of our destructive yokes that we have embraced. And Jesus says, now be yoked to me. He says, learn from me. That word learn here is actually, the, it's a cognate of the, the word, the Greek word for, for disciple. And so that word might be better translated, um, learn from me might be better translated, be apprenticed by me. Be discipled by me. Be formed by me. Take my yoke upon you and be formed by me. The whole project of discipleship, brothers and sisters, and we're in this season as we're leaning in to abiding in Christ. It's the mission statement of Church of the Lamb. And right after this service this morning at uh, 1050, we're going to gather again for a, an adult formation class, and we're going to lean even more into what it means to abide in Christ. But the whole project of discipleship is to be made like Christ. Romans 8, 29. For those whom God foreknew, He also predestined, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. You're created in the image of God, and we're being made into the image of Christ. Or Romans 13 verse 14, he says, Paul says, put on, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And then I love 2 Corinthians 3.18 because it really speaks to the dynamic movement of the life of discipleship. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13 verse, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. And we all with unveiled face Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. Beholding Christ. We're being transformed into the image of Christ. And then he says, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And there's something equally beautiful here. Verse 30 says that we will find rest for our souls because Jesus' yoke is kind. It's easy. And the, the sense is it fits well. You don't even know you're wearing it hardly. And his burden is light. So how could a yoke be kind? How could it be easy? Well, let me ask you this. If you were to have a yoke where you could yoke a Clydesdale draft horse with a Shetland pony and put them in harness together, who's going to be pulling the load? Who's going to be doing the work? Yes, that's right, the Clydesdale. Now, the Shetland Pony will still be obnoxious, because they are. They're hard to get along with. But that Clydesdale would be the one pulling the weight. The only remedy for the exhaustion and the weariness that we feel is to come to Jesus. Bring your anxiety and anger and guilt and addiction, whatever yoke it is, and lay that false hard yoke down at the feet of Jesus. He wants to give you rest for your soul. And don't make any mistake about it. To be yoked with Jesus is not about being passive. Like I said, that passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is just the dynamism, the energy, the movement of the Christian life. So being yoked to Jesus is not about passivity or quietism. By definition, it means movement because what? When you're in a yoke, you have to stay in step with Jesus. Being yoked to Him prevents us from being passive or indifferent, or trying to direct our own lives. But a yoke also prevents us from being frantic and anxious. Being yoked to Jesus 
keeps us, if you're yoked to that Clydesdale, you will not run ahead of him. It's an immovable object almost. You will not get ahead of him because of our own perception of urgency of the moment. When we're yoked to him, we will move when he moves, and when he comes to rest, we will be still all exactly at the right time. So Jesus says, I am gentle and humble of heart. Please listen. This is so important. Our king, our Lord, is gentle and humble. Jesus is not a tyrant king. Jesus is not a tyrant. Jesus is not an oppressor king. He is not a king. He is not a Lord who will abuse you. We are so fearful about authority because mostly we see its abuse. But the Lord of the universe, King Jesus, will never abuse you. He will never take advantage of you. He will never oppress you. He will never bully you. He will never manipulate you. This is the kind of king that Jesus is. And we heard it this morning from Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. Righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on the colt of a donkey. You know, all of the voices from the commanding heights of culture tell us that Jesus is oppressive and that rejecting him leads to genuine freedom. But those who have imbibed that false promise have actually, and we see it in our society right now, have the greatest rates of suicidality and depression and emotional health issues that we have ever measured in this country. And it directly corresponds and correlates with the rejection of this gentle and humble king. But look at the real Jesus, not the Jesus that you see concocted by those who tell you that he would be an oppressor. Look at the real Jesus that we see in God's word. He came in his glory, Jesus came in his glory, riding on the colt of a donkey, and he was enthroned, enthroned upon the humblest of thrones, the cross. On that, that Palm Sunday morning, Jesus came what did King Jesus come riding on? Not a war horse, but on the foal of a donkey. And what was his throne? It was the cross of his love. Is it any wonder then, brothers and sisters, that Jesus comes to us again and again, still in the most humble means imaginable? Our King comes to us under the signs of bread and wine. I mean, it's not, it's not fancy. If you take grapes and mash them up to get their juice and just leave them sitting around, you don't have to do anything. It will be wine. Bread is just ground and wheat and mixed with some water and yeast and you have bread. It's the humblest means imaginable. I mean, we do it every Sunday, and so we don't get the scandal of that, do we? That, listen, brothers and sisters, God is going to meet you in groceries this morning. Groceries! 
That's crazy. Because he's gentle and humble of spirit. He will not oppress you. He will not dominate you. He will invite you to walk beside him. So if you are wearing a yoke that is wearing you out this morning, won't you take it off? Lay it at the feet of Jesus and take his kind yoke, his easy yoke, his light burden, and find the rest that God has promised you. So let's just take a moment right now. I want you to silently open your heart to the Lord and ask him, Lord Jesus, what is the yoke that I am bearing that is not the easy yoke this morning? Show us, Lord, where we've slipped off your yoke and put on a hard yoke. And I wonder, brothers and sisters, if this could be your prayer. Lord Jesus, I feel weary and burdened. I lay down whatever I am carrying right now that is bringing this sense of being heavy laden into my life. Lord, as best as I can, with the little strength I have and in the grace of your Spirit, I turn it all over to you. Please give me your light and your kind yoke. Please give me rest for my soul. As I come to receive you through bread and wine, I take your light and easy yoke upon me. Thank you, Jesus, for refreshing me and giving me your peace. Amen.